0: Well, hello everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the TIB Playground podcast. I'm your host, Stefan Vreze, and today we're in our studio in Antwerp, where we are joined by Adrian Morris, head coach of the European Gladiators Basketball. Hello. Hello. (laughs) And we also have an international guest today Uh, from the United States. It's uh, coach Matthew Morris, vice president of the Combine Academy, Yes. Hello. Hello, how Matthew. are you? Good, good, good. <laughs> so it's a lovely day here in Antwerp. Unfortunately for the traffic, it's, it wasn't so lovely. <laughs> so we got just in time here. But uh, we're going to talk a little bit about um, your work, Matthew, uh, what you do in uh, in the States uh, about Combine Academy, uh, about your relationship with Adrian uh, and so on. So... Let's just start off with asking you, how do you know Adrian?
1: Yeah, so in my uh, search for players here at Combine Academy, we work with a lot of international players. I uh, use a lot of social media to contact players and coaches and got in touch with Adrian uh, maybe a year and a half or two years ago. Uh, and there was some mutual interest there in bringing a team over to the U.S. Uh, and we do, you know, obviously help a lot of international kids, you know, get exposure to colleges and things like that. Uh, So then I had this recruiting trip here this week in Belgium and uh, reached out to Adrian and, you know, I was fortunate enough for him to help set up a workout uh, and me be able to, you know, meet several players that are interested in going to the U.S. So uh, kind of an ongoing thing here for the last year and a half or two. We've stayed in contact and and obviously he played, you know, college in the U.S. He's coached at the collegiate level. So we have that in common, you know, both of us. So that's kind of how, how we met.
0: So you've been uh, the whole week now in Belgium. Is it your first time in Belgium? or?
1: Yeah, I've been here since uh, Saturday, so I'm uh, leaving on Friday. It's not my first time in Belgium. I uh, actually spent uh, a little over three months back about eight or nine years ago uh, over in Brie, uh, working out and practicing with the team while I was uh, in between uh, clubs here professionally in Europe at the time. Okay. So not my first time.
0: So, uh, what is your first impression then, uh, or what what was your first impression of Belgium, and now your second impression? Has it changed since you've been here and eight years ago?
1: Well, the biggest uh, the biggest change is maybe the weather. From yeah. what I remember, it being like it's uh, been nice. It's been pretty warm. A lot of sunshine here. What I remembered back, you know, eight years ago was a lot of rain, <laughs> a little bit cold. Uh, But yeah, the people are really, you know, friendly. Uh, It helps me, uh, especially because everybody, you know, speaks English. Uh, A lot of good talent here in Belgium. We've had a former player uh, from the Belgian under-18 and under-20 team. uh, Darnell Snayers was in our academy before uh, last season. So um, there is a connection. We've had some other players in the past, uh, four other kids from Belgium that have attended the academy as well. So I, I really do like Belgium, like Europe in general, and, like being over here and, and seeing the talent that you guys have.
0: Adrian, um, you mentioned that you were in the U.S. last summer mm-hmm. at a big uh, tournament. Is there a connection between the tournament and uh, Combined Academy?
2: Uh, actually not. Um, they offer uh, also different uh, possibilities for a player to, uh, to uh, improve in the U.S., but uh, it's not uh, exactly the same kind of uh, thing that you do, right? I mean, it's a little bit different in uh in the way like they actually have their own location um uh at combined academy uh where actually uh group didn't have that. They they go on a campus on different universities uh where they actually have their own place and it's uh, actually i think it, we're gonna work together for for the girls in the future. Uh, we're going to send uh, our girls to uh, to Charlotte uh, this summer, I hope. And I hope it's going to be uh, a long-time relationship.
0: <laughs> yeah. Matthew, talk about a little bit about the uh, Academy, because I've seen that it has different locations throughout the U.S. Uh, Charlotte is the headquarters, right?
1: Yes, correct.
0: So how, how does it exactly work, the Academy?
1: So... Uh, The Academy works. We have several different programs. Uh, We have a high school program and a post-grad program and a summer program, all located in Charlotte. That's our our main location. It's actually a 44-acre campus. Uh, We have, you know, everything, dorms, uh, you know, classrooms, basketball facilities, weight training facilities, everything there in one location. Uh, And that program's been around for seven years. That location, you know, was our original location. Uh, We work with both boys' and girls' programs there. And then in Atlanta, we have post-grad basketball for boys. So uh, not a campus, but it's more of an urban setting where we have a phenomenal training facility there. Uh, and then right across the street, our players, you know, have housing. So it's, it's kind of like a campus feel. But we offer a six-month post-grad program for boys and girls that usually takes place from mid-September until the end of March. Our high school program starts mid August and goes until April. And then in the summer, we, in the past, have offered both six week uh, and four week exposure camps. So players come over from Europe, they're playing uh, in AAU tournaments, getting seen by college coaches before returning over to, you know, back to Europe to their countries for high school. Uh, And then we continuously market and recruit players from that. We also do team training camps, which is something that we're working with Adrian with now for his girls' team. And we've worked with teams from the Netherlands uh, in the past. Uh, one team in particular that's been uh, coming for a couple of years, uh, under eighteen, under sixteen, even some men's teams come. You know, uh, anytime from April to August, preseason or you know summer to get just some just to work out. Just to you know. work out, and we set up some friendly matches Games, with yeah, the yeah, yeah with uh, some competition, but. The whole goal of our academy is to get players, you know, that don't have the exposure level as a lot of players in America do. You know, those guys are getting seen by college coaches all the time. So there's such a, a you know, a big, you know, amount of talent here in Europe. That all, a lot of times comes, you know, coaches don't know who the yeah. good players are. So that's where we come in and we get them over to our academy we put them through skill development training, team practices, we play full game schedules, 35-40 game seasons, you know, with them filming every game. And then we have an active marketing approach to college coaches. So college coaches at all different levels, Division 1, Division 2, II, Division 3, NAIA, junior college, they all come in, they watch our team's practice, they watch our team's games, they get to visit different colleges and universities, visit their campus, meet the coaching staff. So it's really a phenomenal opportunity for kids all around the world that are interested in playing in the U.S., you know, to, to get seen and get noticed and work on their game.
0: Yeah. And um, is the academy only for international players then or also for American players? Also
1: for American players. We mix in Americans, you know, with, with our team. So we have, uh, right now in Charlotte, we have four post-grad teams, mixed mixture of American and international players. In Atlanta, we have two teams. Uh, right now. So we have 20 players, uh, and it's a little more than half of those are international kids. So yeah, it's really, it's open to everyone, um, you know, obviously high-level players or players that are determined to, you know, succeed and, and get to the next level.
0: So how is it any different than from uh, like another regular high school team or or an NCAA team? Is it a private school? Is it uh
1: yeah, so it's a private school. So our, our high school team competes in a, in a private high school league. We're actually an independent, so we get to play, you know, other top-level teams like Oak Hill Academy, Fork Union, uh, you know, Montverde, IMG Academy, teams like that that are recognizable, you know, as well as we are. Uh, but, yeah, it's a the private high school setting allows us that freedom, and then uh, for postgrad we play other academies. We get to play junior colleges. The difference is it's it's a sports-oriented high school. So, obviously, for the high school kids, they're still going to classes, you know, normally, like any other student would. Mm-hmm. But they're training. You know, they're, they're getting morning, you know, practice before class. They're getting training after class. They're getting training in the evening, usually two to three times per day, every day. Uh, and then our post-grad program is just basketball, uh, other than some SAT prep courses, you know, one of the standardized tests that's required to go to university in the mm-hmm. U.S., so those kids are training, you know, four, five, six hours per day, two to three sessions per day to really work on their game. And, it, yeah. you know, it's it's really for the, the post-grad, the difference is those kids, you know, have already graduated high school, so they get one gap year. The NCAA lets everybody, oh, yeah. everybody get one gap year at no penalty to eligibility. So kids come over, they use that gap year to get found out get seen by college coaches, work on their game to get a scholarship, and then they can enter college. They still have all four years. But they years. only have
0: like three or four months period to to be seen by a college coach as yeah. a post-grad uh, student or player.
1: Yeah, so it's a, the post-grad program is six months. So the recruiting period usually when kids get in September, how it works is all the college coaches in September and October, they're figuring out who they want to follow throughout the year, who they mm-hmm. want to offer, who they want to take a look at you know, throughout the season and maybe offer in April. So there's two signing periods in the NCAA. The first one's in November. It's a three-day period. If you don't sign in November, which the majority of players, American or international, don't do that, uh, they play out the season and see what kind of offers they have. The next period begins in April, and then that goes on actually until August. So it's a few-month okay. signing period. So the you know we, we are during the heat of the basketball season so college coaches you know they're working with their teams but they're also out recruiting they're going to different events mm-hmm. different showcases that we put our players into uh and then obviously our reputation we've helped over 300 kids in seven years you know get college scholarships to the next level at, at all different levels whether that be d1 d2 d3 naia junior college so uh with our reputation with our staff you know, we do a great job of marketing kids and kind of getting, you know, them recruited when they come over. The, the whole point of our programs are to get guys scholarships. The post-grad level, even our high school team, we win a lot of games, but the record does not matter for us. It's all about the success of our programs judged on how many kids we can get to the next level with, with scholarships.
0: Okay. W- what do you think is, for for a player who is coming to your program, um, their main goal, like, for for the people here in Belgium, it's it's kind of difficult sometimes. I've told it also to Adrian. There's so many levels of basketball in the U.S. It's pretty hard to understand what's the difference between them all. I know Division One is the top uh, college basketball level, but what about uh, Division Two, II, Division Three, JUCO? How do you see um, the level of those competitions in comparison with, with all the rest? Is that something that players should try to get to to any level in the U.S. to be noticed and to make their dream come true to play in America? But yeah, if if somebody wants to go to America, I don't think they're thinking about JUCO or or Division Three. They all they all think NCAA Division One.
1: Yeah, so obviously, like you said, D one is the highest level. There's yeah. uh, just over 350 schools that compete in the D one D one level NCAA D one competition. Uh, the biggest difference is the funding of the schools, and obviously the the level of play. There's yeah. also a difference there. But if you think about the levels in terms of competition, if you think about the European system here where you have promotion and relegation from Mm -hmm. Division I to Division II, it's very similar in that, you know, there's a there's a bottom level of Division I teams and the top level of Division II. Those those guys are really interchangeable. Because, you know, some of the you'll see across rosters in Europe professionally, there's D two kids, there's kids that went to NAI schools there, but it's really the funding in that NCA Division I is a full scholarship or nothing for basketball. So you either get a full scholarship or you, or you don't get one. Uh, Division II is, is you can get 100% scholarship or you can get zero or you can get anywhere in between. Um, so usually there are 13 scholarships per team, NCA Division I. A fully funded Division II team has 10 uh, scholarships and they can, you know, distribute those amongst you know how many ever players they mm. see fit. But there's there's 200 about 65 D2 schools. Uh, D3 is academic scholarships and financial aid. But there are some really good players at Division three. For example, Michigan. Uh, that's you know a very high level NCAA Division one school. They had a player transfer from a Division three to Michigan and ended up starting for them uh, for a right. year. So, uh, and then NAI is another school, another. Uh, it's basically another governing body. So NCA has Division one, two, II, and three. NAI has Division one and two. Also, the difference in NAI and NCA, it's just, you know, like if there was another governing body other than FIBA for example, yeah. so that has their own basketball competition, okay. their own national tournaments, everything. But they, their competition-wise, the top NAI schools could beat even the bottom uh, NCAA D1 schools and definitely can compete with a lot of Division II schools. Uh, those NAI D1 uh, are able to give full scholarships. Uh, I think they have a, an equivalency of 10 as well. And then NAI D2 has six scholarships that they can distribute amongst their players. And then junior college is also set up more. There are three divisions of junior college, D1, D2, and D3. Uh, those are two-year colleges. So the big difference here, university system academically in Europe and a lot of other parts of the world, if you want to study, uh, you know, business, you start taking business classes from day one. In the, in the U.S., it's not like that. So your first two years of college are your, you know, it's basically building from your high mm-hmm. school. You're taking science, you're taking math, you're taking history for the first two. So the academic difference is nothing from the two years of junior college to your first two years uh, at the four-year school. Uh, and then so you play at a junior college for two years, and then you transfer for your last two years to an NCAA or an NAIA school uh, for the last two. But if you, you look a, among, you know, rosters in Europe, even in the NBA, I mean, there are a lot of situations where, you know, if, if you're good enough, you're somebody's gonna find you. Yeah, yeah. You know you're gonna get to the next level. You know there's you know Scottie Pippen. You know you know guys like that played Division two basketball. Like ben Wallace, tremendous rebounder for the Pistons, played Division two and had a great NBA career. You know, um, so it's something that. By all means, you know kids should shoot for the highest level. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of there's a lot of free money, a lot of scholarship money out there. If you want to come over and live the American basketball dream, you want to <laughs> study in the U.S., you want to you know play at a, a good level, of competition, and it's all you know to build up uh, you know your your skill level. Where kids graduate, then they want to come back over. They want to play in Europe and now they're a much better player because they're playing against usually in general better competition in the u.s it's just a different game the athleticism the speed the skill everything like that so um that that's really about you know all the levels and and there's so many transfers going on you can actually transfer from school you know one university to the next in the u.s depending on you know the situation so you know you get over the, the biggest thing is if kids are serious about playing basketball and getting scholarships in the U.S they need to get over to the US to get seen. Yeah, you know, yeah. they, if you you'll see of course kids come from Belgium, kids come from France, kid comes from you know, kids come from a lot of countries in Europe straight away. They graduate high school here, they've got a scholarship. You know, I know there's a Belgian kid that's at Arizona, you know, this year, um just came right from Belgium. They didn't yeah. have to spend any time in the US. That's not the case for a lot of players. So it's really mm-hmm. important to get seen if they want to, you know, get seen, they want to get a scholarship. Come to an academy, you know, like Combine Academy, you're going to get the exposure. We have, a, you know, our staff's made up of former college coaches, former pro coaches. We've got guys on our staff that worked with the Dallas Mavericks in the NBA, guys that have coached NCAA Division I, NCAA Division II basketball. So they know how to get kids better for the college game and how to get them scholarships.
0: Yeah, Adrian, you, you mentioned also that you went to America, mm-hmm. just like <clears throat> what we talked about, about yeah, the American dream, let's say, about basketball. Um, is that something you also aspire to be one of the top players there in NCAA Division One, Or was it also just like, Matthew um, like you said, just to be seen and to make maybe a shot at higher levels in uh, America
2: well for me I mean <clears throat> in at first it was like I was only seeing NCAA D1 because that's all you see on internet and that's all mm. you see on TV here uh, but I I started to learn about how actually the different leagues works and I, I heard about junior college and I thought it was a very good option because I wasn't good enough for D1 that's for sure uh, I might have played D2 directly when I moved there but I didn't think that would. I didn't find any 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 scholarship or anything. So, and when I learned about junior college, I was like, okay, well, there you can play for two years. You have actually playing time. People can see you, and you actually get more offers. And especially for European players, um, when if I let's say I had a, a scholarship for D1 or D2, well. I would have been in the roster, but I, have, I might have played, what, one minute, two mm-hmm. minutes, three mm-hmm. minutes. So it's it's good. Yeah, you you practice, you actually get better, but people don't see that you get better. Yeah. Whereas in JUCO, well, they see you, and it's a good option because that's what I say to the kids that came with me um, this summer in the, in the U.S. I told them, don't look at Duke, don't look at North Carolina. You don't have that level. You mm-hmm. don't. But if you go to junior college, if you go to a prep school, to an academy, then you will practice uh, against the opposition that will be one day maybe in D1 and D2, and you will see where you're at, and you will you will be able to actually aim at some, maybe, d- I mean, at the right place mm-hmm. that you, where you should be. And would you
0: think you would have um, picked an academy above JUCO when you, at that time, you would know something about, like, a uh, combined academy? Would you choose... That or would you choose JUCO? What do you
2: want? Uh, I think if I had to do it again, I would definitely go to an academy or a prep yeah. school because it would give me one more year. You know, it's okay, like yeah. you said, if you, a, if you go to if you go to a postgrad uh, academy or prep school, well, you don't lose a year of eligibility in uh, in NCAA or junior college. Where if you go to junior college and you, you don't really play, or you, you might actually waste time. When you come from Europe to the U.S., the, the game is so different that you you have to learn adapt, it first. Yeah. You have to adapt. And uh, academies and prep school are there for that, too. So is academy something that's been around a long time, or
0: is that something, Matthew, that's coming up since the uh, last couple of years?
1: Yeah, it's something that's been around a long time. I mean... If you look up in New England in the Northeast, there's a lot of academies up there that have boarding schools, you know, traditional academies, uh, not just for high school, but also post-grad where, you know, American kids are staying there, you know, overnight, they're, they're going to class, they're, you know, participating in athletics. Uh, it's something that, you know, those have been around, there's some military schools in Virginia that have been around for really a long time. Really the, the specific, you know, sports-centered, you know, basketball academies, that's probably something... You know that's been more popular here in the last like 10, 10 or twelve mm-hmm. years or so. So, um, yeah, it's it's just a concept. Like Adrian said, the biggest advantage is it gives kids an opportunity if they're not strong enough, you know, if they're not physical enough, if they're not, you know, they need a year to adjust to the mm-hmm. American game. You know, they want to develop their skills. It's really beneficial, especially post grad. We're talking where they come for a year, you know, and no uh, no penalty to eligibility. So yeah, it's something that. You know, I think is really a a great concept that's been around here for a little bit, but it's it's definitely growing. You know, in popularity, and it's important for kids to understand that that is an option for them to you know come over and really learn from a great coaching staff. You know, play against Mm -hmm. really good competition, play with really good competition day in day out at practice, uh, and and then ultimately reach their goal of coming over to the U.S.
0: So, if players want to join your academy, which uh, spot do they choose I mean you got Charlotte, you got Atlanta which one they, they
1: yeah so uh, you know, I, personally I'm an owner uh, there's three of us, they, we all went to Clemson University so we played in the same league the ACC with Duke North Carolina It's uh, Jonah Bays is our president and mm-hmm. CEO uh, myself uh, as vice president and then we have another partner that's more of a silent partner, uh, Trevor Booker that played in the NBA yeah. for, for a number of teams and has played for a number of years and um, but, you know, it's really what a kid wants. You know, if they want a campus, you know, obviously Charlotte is that place for them. They want mm-hmm. everything there in one, one set where a lot of kids come over. They want to focus primarily on basketball. Mm-hmm. They come to our Charlotte campus. We have a huge staff there, you know, great facilities there. Uh, or, you know, they come to Atlanta where it's more of an urban setting where you can walk, you know, kind of like we're here in Antwerp or in, in Brussels. Just, you know, Atlanta is a city of 5 million people. So they can, you know, walk around, walk to restaurants, walk to shops, things like that. You know, outside of training, yeah, there's a little bit more freedom uh, for them to do things like that. So it really, you know, it, it really depends on what they're looking for. There's no uh, main difference in the locations. Um, you know, we all play in very similar uh, exposure type events. Uh, we we have a very similar placement rate in terms of guys that come over getting scholarships. So it, it's really what the individual player wants. So um we, we do a great job our staff does of explaining you know the, the differences between the locations and also you know the benefits you know from each location there are some differences for sure um but that's when we get further along when a kid is interested you know mm-hmm. we have phone calls with them with their parents Skype calls you know FaceTime uh obviously emails where we really get to know the kid yeah. uh, get to know their family get to know their needs you know before they get over here and then kind of you know get a best kind of give them the best plan of action mm-hmm. you know what we're looking for for them and what would fit their needs
0: So if you're looking for a player for your academy w- you're going to visit different countries you're here in Belgium but what, what makes you come to Belgium other than you know Adrian of course and you've been here before as a player too but I've heard that you also been to Ch- Turkey uh, for example is that something what is your Yeah, main goal if you visit Europe.
1: Yeah, I mean, the main goal is to to network and develop relationships with different coaches, you know, with different players and kind of see players. It's kind of like uh, what college coaches want to do, but a lot of times they don't have the budget to come over and, and fly and see all the talent that's here. That's something that we're fortunate enough to have where we can come over. And because we've worked with so many international players, You know, we've had kids from Belgium, we've had kids from the Netherlands, you know, France, England, Turkey, uh, that have gone on and and are still playing, you know, or have gone on. We have a kid, you know, that was from Lithuania that's now just started his uh, rookie year, you know, professionally in Lithuania. So... That's really what we're looking for is to get our eyes on as many kids, you know, that are interested in playing in the U.S. and and let them know about Combine Academy. Mm -hmm. You know, for us, I think that's a big deal for for kids, for parents over here to see somebody face-to-face, to to see that, hey, this is a real person over here. It's not hey, I I don't know what I'm getting into. I just read about this on the internet and then I got over you know, because there are also horror stories of some academies Mm. where, you know, people are flying over and they get there and it's nothing like, you know, what they said it was. So that's really something that separates us in that the level of professionalism that we show and then you know, getting over here, I was in Switzerland in February. Uh, I'm here in in Belgium now, obviously. I've uh, been to a lot of other countries, planning a few more countries coming up here in, in February uh, of 2019 and April of 2019 as well. Just to kind of get, you know, get, get our name out there to some people that may not know who we are and, and let kids know, hey, this is a legitimate opportunity for you to come over to the U.S. But I guess there's
0: limited spots in your team, so... How do you pick the right players then?
1: Yeah, so we have uh, an application process. So an online application process. We definitely do have limited spots. We don't just take anyone. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously there's got to be a certain level of basketball skill there on the court. We do take into account also players' academics. You know, how, Mm -hmm. how which diploma did you get from your country? Have you taken the SAT? Have you taken the TOEFL? Uh, you know, those are things that we all look at and see, well, you know, is this kid, you know, have a legitimate chance to make it Mm -hmm. with work? And we have to do some projecting, obviously. You know, we see, you know, kids play now. You know, we have to, just like any recruiter does, you got to see what they can be in six months, you know, or ten months or a year uh, and determine that. But, yeah, we do have an application process. So once kids, you know, they can, there's an application actually on our website. We have a number of different programs that kids can apply to. And then our staff. Uh, looks at all of those applications you know myself uh we have a recruiting staff as well that goes over them uh that you know we'll have preliminary phone calls with kids and everything like that, and kind of determine and then usually you know after you know a few days or a week to ten days, we make a determination mm-hmm. you know whether they're good enough for the academy uh or not, and then we kind of set set up uh you know what kind of scholarship money they may qualify for through our academy if any um and then put together you know a package for them to come over. And so forth,
0: yeah and um Adrian, you um, introduced a player from Belgium to Matthew mm-hmm. that's actually going now to the academy, yeah, can you talk about him a bit more
2: <coughs> yeah, uh so it's actually uh David Philbisch um he came with me this summer uh, to uh to philadelphia for for my camp uh We're actually from the same hometown uh when when he asked me to help him i uh, I really wanted to help him because we're from a small town. We don't have a lot of people coming to see us play. It's not easy to actually get noticed. Uh, And I know it was because I went through all of that. So I really wanted to help him. And I didn't know if he was a good player. I didn't know anything about him. I just saw that he was really motivated at the time. It was about a year and a half ago. And uh, I saw him play a few times. He's probably the easiest kid I had to coach ever, really. He's really smart. He's going to do whatever you ask him to do. He's, he's like a bulldog in defense. He's a great kid. He's a great kid academically and on the court, so I have nothing bad I could say about him. Seriously. I mean, it's not because Matt is there. I mean, <laughs> we talked about him last time, and yeah, I told you the same. Uh, he's a really good kid. Uh, we already had an uh, an offer for him for next season, but uh, this opportunity to, for him to, to actually leave next week... Um, I think it's like a dream come true for him. So an offer from the academy also. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. What do you think about this player, uh, Mathieu?
1: Yeah, so I think David, you know, is a player, you know, based on a lot of what Adrian's told me, but also I got the opportunity to watch him, you know, work out for a few hours uh, this week. Uh, He's a guy that really fits what we're looking for, a guy that's got high skill level. You know, he can shoot the ball, he can handle the ball, he can play defense. Uh, He's a great kid, he's got high academics. That's really, that's the type of kid, if you've got all of those things, it's a no-brainer for us because Mm -hmm. the only thing he's lacking is the exposure. You know, he hasn't been seen by a ton of college coaches other than this summer, you know, when he came over with Adrian uh, to Philadelphia and and played in some AAU tournaments. And obviously he has he has an offer already. So our goal now would be to continue to develop David's game, uh, continue, you know, to develop his athleticism, you know, everything like that. And, And obviously the goal is to get him a better offer. Than What he has now so um, and it really goes a long way to be able to see kids play in person because a lot of times we we're evaluating game film we're evaluating full games we're evaluating highlights, you know, and it, and it works both ways. Sometimes we get a kid that we didn't know was that good and he gets over and he's much better than his highlight show and then it also works the other way where we thought a kid was going to be really good and he comes over and maybe he didn't get to the level that he thought or we thought but he still gets something. So
0: and then what you do? What do you do when when there is a player that's not good enough by our standards then?
1: Yeah, well then that's a situation where we just have to work with him. You know, we work with him to he's still gonna get better, he's still gonna improve. He can still play at some level of college basketball, mm. but maybe it's a kid that, you know, you thought maybe a D1 player or maybe a D2 player, and now he ends up maybe going to a junior college instead. So there's still – that's the thing that a lot of people just don't understand. There's so many options in the U.S. You just have to get over and get seen and and get those those coaches to know who you are. But that's also something that a lot
0: of players talk about here. Why should we go to America? Okay, there's a lot of levels, but what's the difference between – a highest level here in Belgium, and let's say JUCO, is there any difference? If not, why would they go to American?
1: Yeah, well, it really depends. I mean, we have some JUCO programs that are that are exceptional programs. I mean, that are constant winners. You know, they're they're winning the the junior college national championship or, or making it to out to Hutchinson, Kansas, where they have the national tournament every year. I mean, the only difference, uh, you know, junior college is is for kids that either maybe they're a lot of the kids in America are D1 caliber players. And and D1s, D2s, their rosters are filled with junior college players. The reason they went to JUCO a lot of times is because they're academics. They weren't good enough to get to that four year school. So, those, you know, the town level, if we're talking the top, you know, under 18 teams or so or under 20 teams, you know, here in Belgium and JUCO, I mean, I, I would say. Uh, you know, there probably are the top, maybe best team or best two. you know, could definitely, here in Belgium, could compete mm-hmm. with, with the top junior colleges. But overall, across the board, we're talking, you know, the athleticism, the talent. You know, obviously the U.S. has a, a strong tradition of being, you know, the best basketball country in the world, and a lot of con- countries are striving to be that um, and compete with them. So that that's really the, the thing is a depth perspective. You know, there are a lot more, you know, really good teams, really high-level players in the U.S., you know, than over here. They basically
0: got a lot more options there to develop their game than they have here.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: And do you think they have a better chance to go pro afterwards if they go to America instead of just playing here in Belgium?
1: Yeah, I think so for sure. I think again, it's more options. You know, you come over to the U.S., you're playing daily against everybody Mm -hmm. on your team has the has the uh, either the ability, you know, or the the ambition there to go pro? They they want to make it to the NBA or they want to make it to Europe to a high level. Mm-hmm. So now you're competing with that every day, you know, at the college level, you know, whereas opposed to you know some clubs here, you know, every the depth here might not be you know as strong there as the US, where you've got a few guys in practice that you're you know you're just going to blow by them on offense, mm-hmm. or you can steal the ball from them or whatever on defense. So yeah, I would say um, you know. It's definitely something that they should be looking to do, um, you know, to come over to America, play against really good competition, and then, you know, come back here. It's more likely that they're going to get a better, you know, maybe more money, a bigger club, everything like that, because they've now seen and played against, you know, the Americans at the imports that countries are bringing in over here. They're used to that, as opposed to, you know, bringing in a more athletic, more physical player that maybe they're not accustomed to seeing throughout the whole their whole development.
0: Yeah. That's true, and it, it makes me wonder why why some clubs or, or even the mentality in Belgium is so protective about their players. We talked about this uh, a couple of days ago also, Adrian. What do you think, why do we have to be so careful about players trying to recruit them to go to the US?
2: Well, I think, and that's what I told you last time, think, uh, the teams want to win this year. They want to win next year. But they don't see that if that kid is leaving for a couple of years, maybe three or four, and when he comes back, if you let him go, if you actually tell him it's a good idea, if you motivate him to do that, well, maybe he's going to be willing to come back to your team and make you better maybe in four years, maybe in four years for five, six, seven years, you know. So I think they just, I mean, they think that they are wasting the uh, the money they maybe put in uh, uh training those players for for years when they were 12 13 14 15 whatever and but i think that yeah it's true if they go to the us they will have more experience they will get bigger that's what happens usually to uh players when they get there uh and when they come back obviously they will have more options than just belgian teams because that would be you know a lot of a lot of team i mean young player in belgium they play let's say, in uh, in Liège or Spirou-Charleroi or Divin two, Division 2, and they stay in that team f- since they were 12. And then they go in the first team and they stay in that team until they're maybe 30 years old. Mm-hmm. And, okay, it's good. You are it's, it's It shows that you have respect for your team and you stay there, but that's the only experience you have. You mm-hmm. don't know how is it somewhere else. And uh, when you have a player that actually goes to the U.S., they have that experience in the U.S., and they have already that European experience, so when they come back, they will need less time to adapt also than if you bring an American player. So I think, I think teams in, in Belgium should, should, uh, should let them go. Uh, and anyway, I mean, how many 18-years-old and 19-years-old and 20-years-old played in first division in Belgium? I mean... Not a lot. I mean, no. can, you, can you just give me one name? Of, of, uh, of a... Of yeah, under 20-years-old uh, that plays in the first division. Uh, actually, played. I'm not saying on well, the
0: bench. There, there's a couple, but there's not enough. That's yeah, exactly. Just, just so give that, them
2: yeah. give them the opportunity yeah. to actually improve their game and come back as a 24 years old, a grown man that mm-hmm. actually can help the team and be there for the success of the team. Of course, the argument
0: they will tell you is that, well, there have been a lot of examples of players going to the America, going to the NCAA, mm-hmm. coming back and not even be improved not even being better than what's right there now so what would you say to them then well how would you
2: i think it depends mostly on the player as well i mean yeah. if they i think if you go to the us you have all those facilities you have those individual coach you have those team practice and you don't improve there's something behind it that that's wrong i mean that's mean you had problem maybe in your attitude over there maybe you were not serious enough just stuff like that you need i mean the war It's not because you have the facility it's not because you have the coach that you get better you have to have the mentality and you have to have to be willing to actually get better
0: i guess that's not easy for a young guy going to america a whole new environment uh it's it's completely different culture too is that something that's important to take into account for a young player, imagine.
1: Yeah, of course it is. I mean, that's that's something why we have, you know, a lot of international players. If a a kid from Europe comes over, he's not going to be the only one over. Mm -hmm. So it's easy. The adjustment period is easier, you know, when you've got other European Mm -hmm. players or maybe other players from your country. Uh, You know, the culture, of course, is different. uh, Different in, you know, a lot of countries here in Europe, but definitely different in the U.S. from what some kids are accustomed to that's something that we definitely take into account and we definitely try to help them with that. We do do a lot of tourist activities, a lot of team building stuff. Uh we take the players to NBA games, we take the players, you know, hiking different uh monuments and things around, you know, Atlanta and both and also Charlotte. Uh just a lot of stuff to to help, you know, ease that transition because it is a big adjustment period. And obviously, you know, the different style of the game is something else to take into account how it's a little bit more fast pace and up-and-down up and transition game in the U.S. Uh, than over here where it's more, you know, a lot of different sets and, mm. and, and things like that offensively. So, uh, yeah, that's that's something that is an adjustment period, but we try to do everything we can, and, and I know a lot of universities do the same. A lot of the, you know, very diverse, you know, uh, group of people go to, go to academies like ours, go to universities. So it, it is something, but like Adrian said, it really depends on the player. If they've got that focus – I'm over here, I'm gonna do everything I can to take advantage of this opportunity of these facilities to get better, then those are the kids that really succeed.
0: Mm-hmm. And do you have the same, like, let's say, problems, maybe, or difficulties to get players or to get teams to collaborate with, with the academy, like we have here in Belgium, sometimes protective. Is that the same way it goes like in other countries? or?
1: No, it's the U.S. is a culture where people are always changing, you know, everything. I mean, you have right now uh, some people call it, you know, like a transfer epidemic. It's just the way the the system is set up. So people are transferring high schools, you know, from one high school to the next, you know, and that's been going on for, I mean, a number of years. Uh, The same with universities. You go to a place. You know, hey, it's not the right fit. Uh, maybe I go somewhere else until I, you know, find the right fit. Obviously, you know, bearing in mind how many you can only transfer a certain number of times. But uh, no, really, the clubs aren't, you know, protected. I mean, we get our guys in the academy, obviously, they're here at Combine Academy. I mean, we're. You know, they're, they're not talking to other, other academies or other clubs or anything like that just because I think that's because we do such a good job. We mm-hmm. have a great product and a great, a great service for them. They're not really looking to go elsewhere uh, once they get here. So, yeah, it's definitely a little bit a little bit different in terms of, you know, the protectiveness of players and, and guys moving clubs and moving, you know, teams, even from a young age. You know, the, in the U.S., you don't really it's rare that you know the loyalty like the that Adrian was talking about players that come here yeah. they're in their club from age 12 to age 30 that's really not a common thing in the US you have so many different coaches so many different teams you're playing for it's just different
0: but some people might say that's a bad thing you know
1: yeah well i think that uh you know you don't it works for some people it doesn't for others i mean if you have the same coach you know the same group of coaches they're having the same philosophy for a certain number of years that could be good and good and bad you know it's good because you got some structure but what if a player gets to a point where they don't see any more growth you know individually in that club or in with that coach you know and they want to move and try something you know try something different maybe Mm -hmm. this coach you look at all sports, nobody really is sticking with the same team. I mean, yeah, there are people, for example, the Spurs, they've had, you know, Tim yeah. Duncan, Tony Parker, guys like that, but across all sports, it's very rare nowadays to see the same, you know, person stick with the same team or the same coach. You know, even like you look at other sports like tennis, you've got guys, Roger Federer, Nadal, they're changing coaches, Djokovic, those guys. So, um, The same with basketball. You know, you're changing clubs, you're changing philosophies. I think it's good. The more knowledge, you know, you can gain from coaches, from different, you know, philosophies, I think that really helps the player become well-rounded, especially now that the game's really changing to almost like positionless basketball, where there's no more like, hey, I'm going to throw the ball to the center on the block. He's going to make a post move. Everybody, the skill level of a lot of players is so good now. You know, that I think it's really important to keep learning every, you know, bits and pieces from this coach, from that coach. Anything that would help a player's individual game, I think, is really important.
0: Okay. Let's talk a bit about brands. Uh, I've seen that your uh, academy has also partnered up with Gatorade. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so our guys get get a Gatorade. You know, we have a sponsorship and a package for Gatorade. So we have Gatorade. We have you know the shakes, the supplemental shakes. You know the uh, you know different different flavors of Gatorades, different uh, protein bars, things like that. So yeah, any member of our academy that comes, you know, to the academy, uh, we we supplement. You know, we have a, a supplementation package with Gatorade where we provide that stuff as part of the package to the academy.
0: I'm asking the question because. Um A couple of days ago, I saw the movie Amateur on Netflix Okay. about a young player uh, having also the dream about being a top player in NCAA and whatsoever, and he didn't get there, but he played for a club team. That's also a thing in America, I guess, club teams. Yeah,
1: the AAU, like the off-season, those are categorized as club teams, yeah.
0: And where he got sponsored by several brands, and he got his social media going and so on. And at the end of the movie, he got, um, he couldn't play pro, no, he couldn't become uh, a college player because of the rules and so on, he got paid by brands and this and that, so he became pro, as in paid by brands to play basketball, is that a realistic view of the future in america or is that just something
1: i mean it, it could be we just have a different setup you know really with the NCA, they have certain rules where they try to keep everything amateur so any any extra benefits any extra even meals you know yeah. uh, simple dinner you know a lot of that's kind of taboo and and against the rules and everything like that but yeah i mean i think uh that, that's definitely possible you see you know people uh you know, like like the, the you know the the big baller brand. They're starting you know start their own league, something mm-hmm. like that. I mean, I don't I don't know how successful that league was, but you know, I, I definitely see there could be a future in that. I mean, I think you know a lot of people are upset with kind of the NCAA and all their rules, so they're looking at other alternatives for kids and able to monetize you know their worth and their value and and make some money off of endorsements and things like that while. You know, while they're, you know, 18 to, to 22 years old, like the college age before they actually turn pro. So I, I definitely think there is a market for that. And it, it's possible that, that we could be shifting towards that.
0: Are, do you feel like brands are pushing towards something like that? Do you get a lot of questions of brands to, to help you guys or to help some players that are, are pretty popular?
1: Yeah, we don't we don't get that just because obviously we're we're trying to get kids to go to the NCA. So we're in full compliance with that. We understand, you know, we can't you know, partake in any of that, any of those extra benefits. The only thing we do, you know, the kids are coming to our academy and we have, you know, uh Adidas Gear and we have Gatorade, you know, as a supplement, you know, company that's that's given us stuff um to provide to our athletes. That that's a a hundred percent completely, you know, within the rules and everything. We don't have anybody approach us, you know, hey, this kid's really good, what can we do, you know, mm-hmm. to get him to to sign with us when he leaves there. We we really haven't had that happen.
0: Okay. So now, um, what is the future for you now? Yeah, so You're th- going to go to another country now or just back to the States?
1: No, I'm going back. Our, our post-grad academies actually have their first showcase of the season, so we've got uh, a, a post-grad and junior college showcase on Saturday that our guys will be playing in, um, and then we kind of have another one next weekend, and then we start our season, our regular games up in November. So I'll be involved with that since I've I've been out this week, um, you know, out and about recruiting and, and networking over here in Europe. But I'll uh, my flight lands in the afternoon on Friday, so I'll get, you know, right to where I'll <laughs> pick up kind of where yeah. we left off in terms of uh, supporting our guys, you know, marketing them to coaches, trying to get their recruitment, you know, picked up here and make sure that, you know, I while I'm at the games, I'm networking with the coaches and everything like that. So, um, and I'll be doing that, you know, until we have a break around mid-December. So a couple of breaks uh, around the Christmas holidays, our kids, you know, have, have some time off and then we'll pick back up in January and go through, you know, until the end of March with, with this program that we have now.
0: And they come back to Belgium then for... yeah they can yeah Yeah. so
1: we have about a two two and a half week break there where there's no games no one's playing any games there in the u.s so kids can come back home for a couple weeks you know Mm -hmm. spend some time with their family and then they come back and we start our games they get back january 4th and we start on the 9th okay
0: so um what is the best way for us to follow david now
1: Yeah, so our social media, you know, we're on Twitter, uh, we're on Instagram. We post, you know, usually top performers from the games. We also have uh, posted games on YouTube, our YouTube channel, just Combine Atlanta, because David will be at our Atlanta location. Um, Our Charlotte location also has, you know, social media, Twitter, Instagram, um, that you can easily, you know, easily find all of those online. But we all post our games on our YouTube channels, uh, and then we also use the crossover App where we can, uh, you know, send out links and stuff, yeah. so parents and coaches can watch that. But everything, uh, as soon as we start our games, you know, our social media and stuff picks up, and, and you can kind of follow along like that and, and watch the full games. And then we'll have highlights for each player out around the Christmas break, and another highlight tape uh, at the end of the season as well. Which we'll we'll be working on that, you know, throughout the season and marketing them to coach, okay. marching David and our other players yeah. to the coaches.
0: Perfect. Definitely want to follow him in the coming weeks and months. Thank you both, Matthew and Adrian, for coming here. And uh, we'll talk later. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening again to our podcast. I also want to thank Adrian and Matthew for joining us. Be sure to check out their sites. If you liked this episode, please give us a like on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and be sure to follow us so you can keep track of our next episodes. Oh, and for those who are waiting for the new site, our apologies we still have a lot more work and we only want to release it when it's done in the meantime you can still follow us on our social media channels thanks a lot and see you next time